I'm your host, Aaron Groves, and welcome to the Pop Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pop Podcast. I hope everyone had a fabulous holiday season if you are celebrating Christmas over the weekend or whatever holiday you celebrate in your household. I hope everyone had a fabulous weekend, got some much needed rest and recovery. I know that was my intention along with just being present. I'm actually recording this uh, from my bedroom because that's how it goes sometimes, but I am super excited about this week's guest because The time between now and the new year is always a perfect time to set those intentions for what you want to bring into the new year. And as you all know, I'm very into holistic wellness and everything to do with improving not only my physical health and my physical body, but my mental health. And so I thought, why not bring on Belen Griffin, who is the CEO and founder of Kana Living here in Dallas, Texas. It's everything about Ayurveda. And if you are not someone that's super familiar with Ayurveda, it is another branch, if you will, of holistic wellness. And we dive into everything about it, the three doshas, how to know which one you have predominantly within you uh, that was part of you when you were born, how to balance out your doshas, and everything in between. I absolutely love this episode and she's so soft-spoken, but the knowledge and the passion that she has about this and just her own story of going through miscarriages and really coming back to her health, I think is incredible and she gets very vulnerable on this episode. So I hope you all enjoy it and let's dive right in. I've been good. Yeah, it's been abundant. And What do you mean by abundant? Abundance, like um, I don't like saying busy because busy is kind of chaotic. Ooh. Abundant is more like there's a lot of things going on and happening, but you know, I'm just kind of walking through and moving through all the things. <laughs> so it's How been did abundant. You switch that mindset. Wow, I love that. I don't know. I think in one of my courses, one of the women shared that that she's been yeah. really. Uh, looking into the way she says things more intentionally and that made me look at what I was saying and the words I'm using more intentionally and one of the words that she used was abundance and so I was like I'm gonna take that because that is true I'm not busy it's not chaotic you know but it's abundant I'm I'm doing a lot (laughs) yeah but it's all for good things to bloom from there so it's all good (laughs) It's funny that you said that because I listened to, I don't know if it was a podcast or something earlier and it had to have been a podcast, but she was talking about how she was sharing with her significant other that she was really busy. And he was like, that's amazing. It's, that's amazing that you have those opportunities that people are coming to you. He's like, it's not when you're not busy and people aren't coming to you for things and they don't need you. He's like, it's giving you a purpose. It's giving you something to do. So it's funny that It's like those little shifts in our mindset instead of thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so busy, I'm stressed. It's like, I'm abundant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and our words have a lot of weight to them and a lot of power. And so it's important that we're intentional with how we talk to ourselves and how we 
like about our life and yeah. and the things are happening. So yeah, start using abundance if you're abundant. <laughs> I'm definitely stealing that. I'm going to take that one into work tomorrow. They're going to be like, and you've lost all your marbles today. They made fun of me because I like, go sit with your crystals. You seem stressed out. I'm like, <laughs> your spiritual journey started not long ago, but I want you to take the audience through the beginning of walking down this, what I like to call like spiritual awakening and finding you know, your true calling and what you're doing right now. Sure. So my true calling in this journey really began through trying to find health. I became a vegan for, I was vegan for maybe three and a half, maybe four years. And I, at that time with the information I had thought that I became a vegan, so I became healthy, right? And yeah. so during that time, I also, my husband and I, I think I shared this with you, yeah. um, decided that we wanted to start a family. Yeah. <laughs> and so this was a very big time for me of exploration and self-discovery and as we began to try and get pregnant and weren't successful, I realized that first, I being vegan does not mean mm -hmm. being healthy. <laughs> and then I became aware of the anxiety, the mood swings, the hormonal imbalances that I was experiencing. I had acne all over in my face and my chest and weird hair growth. I don't know. And um, that's when I decided to take my health a little bit more seriously and look deeper into mm -hmm. it. And so I was talking with one of my best friends that had already stud been studying Ayurveda mm -hmm. more on a surface level. And we had talked about Ayurveda in the past when I lived in California, because that's where the California College of Ayurveda is, which I ended up getting my degree on. Mm -hmm. Um, and she told me, you know, give it a try. And I studied it a little bit in yoga teacher training as well. And so I decided, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dive into it. And so I started incorporating new routines. I adjusted my diet and my lifestyle and I started seeing significant results. And so, you know, my agony started clearing up, my mood, my energy improved, and as a result of this lifestyle change, I was able to get pregnant. And so, unfortunately, shortly after that, I had a miscarriage. And that experience was very difficult. It was a very painful, very lonely experience. And I felt a lot of guilt. Mm -hmm. And so I really leaned into Ayurveda then. And I realized that through this journey, I was looking at my health through the symptoms I had rather than looking through what the core of these symptoms were. And so what Ayurveda had allowed me, has allowed me to do is to really sit, stay present mm -hmm. with the core of the symptoms I experience the root cause. And so it helped me, you know, through the challenges that I experienced before I had the miscarriage and after physically, but most importantly, like you said, 
spiritual awakening, it allowed me to reconnect with my spirit, with myself. Mm -hmm. Something that I know now that I didn't know then that I was the most disconnected with myself was during that time. And, you know, for a really long time, Erin, I was desperate to find a place where I belonged. I am originally from Ecuador and my family is still there. And even though I've lived here for a really long time, I've been looking for, I had been looking for a church, a place, a Mm -hmm. friend, a community, you know, where I belonged. And I didn't realize that that place I was so desperately looking for was right here Mm -hmm. within myself. And Ayurveda helped me find that. Um. And so once I witnessed and yeah. the impact of this way of living, I knew immediately that how invaluable it is for us to understand ourselves and stay connected to our source, our spirit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, knowing that has allowed me to now become an entrepreneur and open a business and help other people to do the same. Thank you for sharing that. It's wild the energy that flows in when you kind of walk down this spiritual path. And I had a conversation with you before we go down the Ayurveda and you mentioned something that I think a lot of people, especially females can resonate with. You are naturally just like a thin bodied person. We're going to get into why that is and Ayurveda and all that type of stuff. But coming out of college, like you kind of eat whatever you wanted. And then it's like, boom, you have all of these hormonal issues. Everything starts catching up to you and Mm -hmm. you feel lost. And there's like this part of you, especially physically, like you start to lose self-confidence. And I think our society throws medicine at you and no one's going to that root cause. What would you tell your younger self now looking back, going through that time to maybe do differently. Like if there's a girl on the other side that's like struggling with acne or struggling with issues or maybe they're trying to conceive and they can't, like what would you tell them to do to not lose hope but also to come back to who they truly are at their core? Mm -hmm. I would tell them to take a moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To take a step back and to look within and to take the time to do the work, to peel those layers, to understand the core of the symptoms they're experiencing. Because there is nothing wrong with any of us or any of them, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, And most importantly, we have the capacity to heal ourselves Mm -hmm. if we really are committed and we really do the work. Um, I think I would tell them... To not lose hope, Mm -hmm. you know, to stay present, to love themselves. I had to learn how to love myself in so many ways Mm -hmm. because I grew up with a constitution and genetically favoring myself. I'm thin. Naturally, I've always been. And like you said, I, you know, I used to eat whatever. I used to eat pizza all the time, multiple times a week, a whole pizza to myself almost. And I didn't gain weight, you know, and, and, and your weight does not define your health. Mm-hmm. You know, your symptoms don't define your health. And at the end of the day, in my case, and in what I believe are most cases, 
the root cause is that disconnection of spirituality. And the symptoms are your body speaking to you, mm-hmm. letting you know that, hey, I'm here, come back to me. You mentioned do the work. What does do the work mean? Do the work means stay present. Mm-hmm. Know that there's not a magic wound that you can wave and mm-hmm. in a month you'll feel better. There's a lot of tools that Ayurveda can give you that will work for you and maybe you use them for a month and you really feel better. But the work is, it's a lifetime. Yeah, It's a journey. Mm. It's not just let me try it once. It's trying and failing and trying and keep trying. And again, it's like, it's a journey. Mm-hmm. It's a path. It's kind of like, you know, Ayurveda is the sister science of yoga. And I like to say this because in yoga, you go in and as a first time yogi and as a i have an athlete background i did sports my whole life um you expect to see results immediately yeah it's like okay well i want to feel better tomorrow but it takes a lot of practice Mm -hmm. and sometimes it takes for you to move away from that one pose that one arm balance and work on your strength or work on your flexibility to then after months and months of you consistently practicing come back and then you can finally move into that posture with ease and it's the same with ayurveda and it's the same with health Mm -hmm. it's not that we're gonna do it for a week a month or three months and immediately we're gonna feel better yes of course it's gonna be significantly improving in our life but it takes consistency and practice Mm -hmm. like everything yeah what is ayurveda for those that are unsure so Mm -hmm. yeah ayurveda is the oldest comprehensive system of medicine. It's been practiced for over 7,000 years. It originated in India and it is based on the idea that, or not the idea, the fact actually, (laughs) that we are all nature. The nature is within us and all around us and that nature has that capacity to generate and regenerate the capacity to heal itself and that power that wisdom is within all of us and so we have that power to heal ourselves i want to take this a step further for someone out there that is looking for a more spiritual way or more holistic approach to not only their health but this is a lifestyle like i feel like Mm -hmm. ayurveda is something that I've just kind of stepped into and was introduced to me and definitely all started with yoga but give a little bit more context on I know there's the three doshas correct Mm -hmm. Um, and how can someone tiptoe into this world to better understand themselves more fully sure so (laughs) I love from that question because my teacher says this all the time and I'm gonna say it and that is that it depends (laughs) everyone's favorite answer i'm so black and white too i'm like tell me this right now (laughs) it depends on the person it Mm -hmm. depends on the person's age where they live the kind of lifestyle they have however um understanding your doshas so your doshas are three bio energies that express themselves physically Mm -hmm. and metaphorically within ourselves and everything around you Everything around us has energy. And these three doshas are made up of 
two of the five elements of nature. There's space, there's air, there's fire, there's water, and there's earth. And so each one of these doshas governs a certain part of your body. Mm-hmm. So the vata dosha, for example, the vata dosha is made up of the space and air elements. And this dosha governs everything that moves in your body. The wind moves, right? Mm-hmm. The space creates the space for things to move. And so your circulation, your nervous system, your life force, your breath, that is the vata dosha manifesting within you. The movement in your thoughts, that is the vata dosha, right? The pitta dosha is fire and just a little bit of water, <laughs> right? And so pitta is, governs transformation and digestion and um, conversion. And so it manifests in our body as that, as digestion of food and converting it into tissue, but also digesting and transforming your thoughts and your emotions, right? And then we have the kapha dosha. The kapha dosha is water and earth, right? What is water and earth? Water and earth create stability and structure, right? So that is our structure, our body. That's our immunity, our strength. It's grounding. So knowing these three doshas and what the, how they are represented in, in your body will help you understand your tendencies and your mm-hmm. patterns. And so knowing these tendencies and these patterns will help you kind of navigate life with a little bit more ease. That makes sense. I just wrote down that question. I was like, what does what do these teach us about ourselves in terms of our health and our overall being? Because I think where people have hesitation with this stuff, it's naturally like, oh, it's too woo-woo or it's not whatever the <laughs> misconception is. And we'll dive into that. But I think for me, when I learned these things and even after our conversation, it just made so much logical sense to me of like why I should not be eating this thing during this time because it's not meant for me in mm-hmm. this moment. So how, what does it help teach us about our overall health, especially, you know, given your example of like you're going through acne or you're having some sort of like health issue, learning this will help you mm-hmm. overall in what way? Yeah. So if you're having symptoms as acne or like severe acne or hormonal imbalances, I would say that it's better for you to really go see a practitioner. Yeah. Because there's a lot of that goes into that, mm-hmm. that I, it would take hours for us to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it depends. Yeah. But um, the main thing to, the main principle to understand in regards to the doshas and how to heal yourself is the principle of like increases like. So in Ayurveda, in Ayurveda, um, someone, you know, like you, for example, Erin, we talked about this. You have a lot of pitta dosha predominance within Mm -hmm. you, right? So there's a lot of fire. Yeah. Okay. So someone like you that, that has that fire, that tendency will naturally attract more of that. So you attract more things that are focused and goal oriented and, and clear. And so... In the long term, attracting more of the same like increases like will eventually cause an imbalance, Mm -hmm. right? Eating too many foods that are fiery, being outside in the sun for too long, 
it's integrative. It's everything. It's not just your food. It's not just your spirituality. It's everything. Mm-hmm. And so, what we focus in Ayurveda is finding balance by by bringing the opposing quality in. So, for, so for someone that has a lot of fire, what would help you bring in balance? A little bit of water. Mm, a little bit of water. A little bit of that kapha dosha. Yeah, it's grounding. It's hydrating. It kind of mellows you out a little bit. Mm-hmm. So first we understand the doshas. Yeah. Well, first we understand the elements and what they represent. And then we understand what elements make up what dasha, what bioenergy and how it expresses within us. And then we understand what our tendency is and what we attract more so we can bring in the opposite and find balance. Why is it so important for someone i think when we hear oh we want to attract things why is it so important for someone to bring in those other elements to achieve that overall balance not only within but i think externally is huge Mm -hmm. well because we're made out of five elements we're not just made out of one or two right so Mm -hmm. we need all five to exist and we need all five to live in harmony and find optimal health. Mm-hmm. So if we're just bringing in of one, we're eventually going to deplete ourselves to become non-existent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's important for us to bring all of the elements in because all of the elements create balance. And balance creates harmony and harmony creates ease and ease creates connection. It's almost like you're tuning into a frequency mm-hmm. where you can just, you know, let it flow. <laughs> yeah. And once you do, you'll notice how many possibilities, you know, you'll notice the infinite possibilities that the world has to offer mm-hmm. to you because you're finally in that state of equilibrium where you're transcending into another frequency of evolution, if that makes sense. What's the biggest challenge? that you feel people make in terms of getting into that flow state? So the biggest challenge is ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, we are human. (laughs) Yeah. And we are creatures of habit. And so we like what we like. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard for some of us more than for others to trust that something different might be better when you've been doing it for the for a really long time how did you learn to trust i think that i am very intuitive by nature yeah same i have a lot of vata in me vatas are intuitive inventive creative mm-hmm. um and I just felt that I needed something different. And so I'm always willing to try different things. And I love trying new things. Yeah. <laughs> like increases like I'm always looking for different things and something new to learn and something new to study and something new, some other place to move to. Yeah. <laughs> I moved so many times. So um, it wasn't really hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, for my husband, it was different. You know, he's, yeah. we've been together for 12 years now and I've been doing this for 
a really long time and he's just now beginning to see the benefits of routines and lifestyle changes and so for some it's just easier than others others just need to see the results for themselves Mm -hmm. and experience like ayurveda is very experiential yeah so just like see and touch and feel for yourself rather than me just telling you oh you're you're pitta you're fire so you know bring in more kapha bring in more water and it's funny because i remember in our conversation i was like tell me i'm very much of tell me what not to do like i'm very solution oriented which i think sometimes can be my problem i'm always trying to not fix things but kind of like okay, this isn't working. How can I just immediately find a solution? So I guess it kind of is fixing in a sense. A lot of people, and I actually had this talk last night, or I gave this talk rather, and the feedback, she was like, you just seem like you're, you just let things go. Like, how did you get there? And it was an interesting question because I feel that obviously all the meditation, the practice talking with people like you, but I think the biggest step and hurdle is fear tapping into something like this like you're letting go a lot of control for me like when you turn yourself over to a spiritual practice and you dive into this type of work i think there's just a level of yourself that you you don't lose like you gain back how do you coach or guide people through that process and that transition and overcoming that fear when they're stepping into a journey like ayurveda going down this path so Mainly, I just guide them into peeling the layers Mm -hmm. that they've built, that we all build, you know, through our experience in life that disconnect us from our truest selves. So my job is to guide you to find what works for you and what spirituality is to you, Mm -hmm. because it might be completely different than what it is to me. And my goal is not to tell you what spirituality is but rather to help you find what it means to you and so i just guide them through you know different routines different lifestyle changes and and practices that help peel those layers for them to have the aha moments and them to experience and then they come back yeah and then they're like oh yeah you know that thing that you told me to do six months ago that I kind of did, kind of didn't the first three months and I have been doing consistently for the last month. I get it now. It works amazing. What's the biggest obstacle you feel you run into when it comes to Ayurveda? Because I know in our talk, like a lot, not that you're always right, but like kind of like a lot of the things that you suggest to people once they try, they're like, Mm -hmm. oh shit, this actually works at a core whole level what do you feel and maybe it's like the biggest misconception about ayurveda that you have to convince people of for them to fully trust and lean in yeah um i don't really like convincing people mm-hmm. but i i guess a, a misconception of ayurveda first is that it is a religion which it isn't mm-hmm. you know any you can it's a lifestyle and second that it's just a, such a simple concept mm-hmm. that it's really hard for, pe- for people to understand because it's never been explained this way. And so I guess the biggest challenge is, again, people themselves and 
I I believe in planting a seed, you know, if and if today I tell you about the doshas and how they've helped me and how Ayurveda has healed me and you're like, oh, what is that? No, I'm not even going to, you know, skip or whatever. And then maybe in 10 years you hear it again and you're like, oh, let me let me look into it now. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are ready now. Some people will be ready in 30 years. Yeah. And as long as I am someone, a vehicle that in which I help people, you know, just planting that seed, then that's what I'm here to do. And that's how it kind of was for mm-hmm. me. You know, I, I started speaking with my friend about Ayurveda and like before I got married. And then again, I saw it in teacher training. Mm-hmm. And then again, it came back to me. Right. When I was ready to receive it. And so. It's funny because when I, when you got recommended to me, I just got out of a yoga retreat and they were talking about it there. And when the girl was kind of explaining to me like what she thought I was, it was so funny because I've been having these weird, not like epiphany, but these moments of just like, I felt so called to be by water. Like I was either moving to San Diego or I was moving to Austin and like the draw was just like nature and this weird drive that I've never had before. And it was during the time that I felt like I was going through this spiritual awakening, if you will. Like I was spending so much time in meditation, felt like I was really coming back into my intuition. I was getting downloads. Like I just felt so one with myself and like one with a higher power. And then when you and I had a conversation, it was just like a light bulb moment of like, oh my gosh, this is why. And it it makes so much sense. What are some of the early shifts that you made in your life once you identified your doshas and your composition, if you will? Personally, my biggest change was learning how to love myself. You know, we talked about my constitution and how I've always been thin, but I didn't really love myself. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize how I didn't love myself. I would criticize my body and myself and how all the things. And so I had to relearn how to love myself and mm-hmm. how to love everything about me and honor that and honor this unique creation of love, mm-hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, Ayurveda is living in loving awareness, which is pure consciousness. So, yeah, I had to learn how to love myself. Loving myself was my path through which I connected with my spirituality again. How did you learn to love yourself? Through Ayurveda. (laughs) Many routines, Mm -hmm. dietary changes. Give some examples for people out there that are looking for... Not in a comparison way, but just in like a, hey, this is what worked for me. Yeah, for sure. So um, through self-massage, you know, through the sense of touch, Mm -hmm. that really helped me kind of like touch and be like, thank you through gratitude. You know, this is my body. It takes me everywhere. Yeah. Right. I did intermittent fasting for a long time too. And that wasn't healthy for me. Yeah. Not me either. Shoot. No, bye-bye hormones. <laughs> right. So through self-massage, mm-hmm. through gratitude, through relearning my, about my relationship with food and what food is 
what nutrition is mm-hmm. um, through meditation, through practicing compassion and kindness. You're also a pitta dosha. I'm a pitta vata. Pitta vata. And mm-hmm. it's so funny because we're both fire signs too. Mm-hmm. But when she told me she was an Aries, I was like, there's no way you're so calm. <laughs> and I'm over here like, uh, I'm going to use you as an example and ask questions. So we're going to kind of like walk through each dosha high level. Where can people, you have a test. So explain like where they can go and how this is different than a zodiac sign or an enneagram test. This is foundational. This isn't just like a zodiac sign that's telling you about your personality. Mm-hmm. So your dosha's composition or your constitution is kind of like your fingerprint, mm-hmm. right? We are all made of the same five elements, but we have a different combination of each. And each one of those combinations is unique yeah. and beautiful. And so you can go to my website, Kana with a K, kanaliving.com. And there's a test that you can take and it'll ask you several questions on routines, lifestyle, diet, and it'll tell you generally what your dasha, what your predominant dasha is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this will help you kind of relate to what your tendencies and patterns might be. So you can find balance by bringing the opposite. So your vata person, for example, in balance, a vata person is bubbly, is creative, inventive, uh, healers, right? Uh, artists, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a bumblebee, right? They have a really important job, but they're constantly moving from flower to flower. Um, that one kind of sounds like me. Maybe I have some of that. Okay, keep going. Yeah, you do have some of it. You okay. have some of everything. I have some of everything. Okay. <laughs> I am like identifying myself. I'm like, this box, this box. Okay, keep yeah. going. And then your vata out of balance, mm-hmm. right? When there's too much of this, of these two elements or one of them or the energies that these bring in, um, they have insomnia, too much movement in the mind, too much movement in your nervous system and your nerve impulses, too much movement in your circulation, um, restlessness, mm-hmm. anxiety, too much movement in your mind. I don't know if I already said that. Um, and then we have the pitta dasha, right? Okay, wait, pause before we go mm-hmm. there. One of my favorite things about this is like foods that you can incorporate to help you come into balance, which I think ties so perfectly for the health passion in me. Some of the things that you were telling me, I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. You can go out there and start to consume some of these things. That's going to completely change. But what are some food groups to help balance the vata dosha? Vata dosha is made out of air and space. Air and space are light, they're dry, and they're cold. So any foods that are not light, dry, or cold will help balance vata, right? So fruits that are warm, that are heavy, and that are wet. So your soups, your stews, your root vegetables. Okay. Yep. Perfect. Anything else on that in terms of how they maybe respond in the world or how if someone's listening to this and like okay I identify with this dosha here's some things I can do 
with my diet? What are maybe some lifestyle things that they could do to help balance themselves if they feel that they're out of balance? So it depends. (laughs) The main thing that I would say for all three doshas Mm -hmm. is to look at your environment and look at the seasons and look at what mother nature is giving you because mother nature is within us mm-hmm. and is there to support us and is there to love us and it knows what it need, what we need. So right now we're in the late fall, almost winter. It's cold outside. Plants are dying, if not already dead. Trees are bare. We're given root vegetables, mm-hmm. right? We're ten- our tendency naturally is to go for soups and stews and hot chocolate. Mm-hmm. So what is your environment telling you? To stay in, to go inward. Mm-hmm. For a moment, right? In the summer, the summer is hot. What does Mother Nature give us? Watermelons and cucumbers and mints. Why? Because we need hydration. Mm-hmm. We need to cool down. So for any dasha, I would recommend to reconnect with nature and notice what's happening around you. You know, it's different here in Texas than it is in Sweden, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that's why it depends. It depends for someone that is 20 and someone that is 80, right? They're going to need different things. So it depends. Okay, moving on. Mm -hmm. The Pitta Dasha. Yeah. So the Pitta Dasha is Pittas. (laughs) You and I. (laughs) But see, this is the beauty of Ayurveda, that you and I are, have the Pitta predominant Dasha, but you and I are completely different and that's beautiful. Right. So what works for me will not necessarily work for you. Mm-hmm. That's why it depends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, pittas are usually goal oriented, focused, right? They're usually your CEOs, your presidents, right? And when they're in balance and when they're out of balance, usually there's burnout, physically, indigestion, heartburn, right? So... Uh, again, pitta dasha, notice what's around you. It does mm-hmm. might, I don't know how you feel. Do you feel better in the colder weather or in the summer? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I feel like physically maybe I do better in the summer. Um, but one thing that a shift that I made with you was that I kind of go against naturally. I go against nature at times. So like I was still focusing like food wise on like colder things or colder beverages or eating kind of the same way. And I don't really ebb and flow. But ever since you talked with me, I started implementing more things that I felt like were in a flow state and you just feel more at peace, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really know how to explain it, but you're, I don't feel like I'm fighting against what I'm craving or like before it was kind of just like, I'm very structured. And so I would just kind of do the same thing and I didn't think about it. And now that I'm not in that force, I'm just in the flow. I feel like I'm like, oh, this sounds good. I'll just go eat it and not overthink why it's just like, oh, this is meant to. So yeah. that didn't answer your question, but I, I don't know. I feel like I'm happier in the summer because I like the sunshine mm-hmm. and then not so much in the winter. Like but. increases like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's that's something to start noticing. Yeah. Like how does your body feel? Your joints, right? Oh, your skin. I, 
okay, so maybe you're right. I don't feel as good in the winter because I will get random hip pain. Okay. And I'm just like, it's so weird. The second it gets cold, my hips start hurting. Okay. Without fail. Summer, no issues. Interesting. It's so, I'm like, do I have arthritis? But this would make sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also it makes sense that you're using your intuition now after our talk to, you know, just eat how, what your body is asking you for which at this time of the year is usually soups and stews, mm-hmm. wet, warm, right? Heavy. A little yeah. bit more on <clears throat> the pitta dosha. So you talked about imbalance and out of balance. In terms of food, you kind of did touch on it, but similar to the vata, like what are few foods to incorporate for someone that is, I guess you could do both out of balance and in balance if you will. Yeah, so pitta dosha in general um, Again, seasons is mm. is really important to eat along with the seasons. But pitta doshas do well usually with salads and colder foods. Normally, pitta dosha predominant people have a strong digestion. So they have that strength in, again, their digestion to metabolize and break down food. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when the environment around us is colder, that becomes a little bit harder. That's why... It's good to stay with warm. Um, But generally in the summer or pittas in general are okay with eating cold or room temperature, raw foods, Mm -hmm. um, like juice, fresh squeezed juice, um, mint, all the cooling foods, hibiscus, watermelons, cucumbers. I already mentioned that. Mm -hmm. Cilantro. Anything that's anti-inflammatory, inflammation is fire. Yeah. I'm going to ask a little bit of a different question here. In terms of environment, you mentioned it. For someone like us, what type of, and I know it's going to depend on every person, (laughs) but (laughs) I'm ahead of you. Uh, What type of people, things, or jobs do you feel to surround yourself with to help keep you in balance and not cause you more stress? (laughs) It depends. (laughs) So I think that's why it's so important to go on this journey of self-exploration and discovery where you peel the layers and learn how to understand yourself. Because once you do that, Mm -hmm. once you are honoring yourself and living in harmony with yourself, then you begin to attract the people that support you and the people Mm -hmm. that help you grow and the clients that you want and the, and the employees that you want. And so the energy that you put out into the world then begins to come back to you. Does that answer your question? I think this is where I sometimes lose, not faith, I don't want to say that, but I think this is sometimes where you, you where people kind of get lost because it's, it's, we're talking about like like versus like. And so you always hear the energy you put out into the world is the energy you attract. And while I do feel that at my core level, I think there's a level to that that maybe isn't true or not it's not true. I don't know how to word this. Like, I feel like you do, but at the same time to what you alluded to, like like versus like can kind of set you out of balance. Mm-hmm. And so explain a little bit more. I know this is probably more law of attraction, but I think people get 
probably a little bit too caught up in the energy I'm putting out is the energy I'm going to track. And then when it doesn't come back how they want, they're like, oh, I failed. And I don't necessarily think that's true, but I kind of want you to give more guidance, if you will. It's not a question, but like yeah. walk through why that is. So sometimes the energy that we are putting out is not necessarily the energy that we want to come back to us. Maybe it is the one, the energy that we think we want to come back mm-hmm. to us, but that's more of the ego talking, not really the spirit. So there's the self, capital S, and there's the self, small s, or uh, lowercase s. Yeah. And so there's there's a difference. And so on a journey where you're exploring and peeling the layers and and just self-discovering yourself, I keep saying the same things, then you'll find out what is the ego saying and what is the spirit saying? And then what energy really you want versus what you need. For a really long time, I jumped from job to job, corporate job to corporate job. And I was like, I can't make it. Like, I, this is not for me. This is mm-hmm. not for me. Is there no, nothing is for me. I never in my life thought that I would become an Ayurvedic integrative wellness coach. That was not something that I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. You know, I did know that I wanted to be a business owner and I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. And this is how, this is how it manifested. Once I allowed myself to get into, to tune into that frequency that guided me into what I wanted. And this is absolutely better than what I ever imagined doing. So sometimes it takes taking a step back mm-hmm. and trusting that the universe is infinite and that the universe lives within you. Yeah. And there's infinite possibilities for you if you allow them to bloom at the time that they are supposed to. And for me, and maybe this is part of like a pit of quality, but I think I would overthink the energy that I was putting out because I wanted to receive something specific. And when something came back to me and a lot of people were like, it shows up in relationships. And so I would take that and internalize that and try to work on certain things. And what I realized was like, I was still trying to control. I was still trying to get ahead of or force something coming from ego or stemming from insecurity instead of just leaning more into that soul self. And I always ask the question, like, how do you know between ego and soul? And how do you know? I I still have this conversation with myself often of like, what's true to me? So what in those instances, what do you think the universe or life was trying to teach you? I mean, it's always some sort of lesson. <laughs> Which one? Maybe patience? Yes. Ding, ding, ding. You're the winner. <laughs> she reads me like a book. <laughs> and I, I can relate to you. Yeah. For a really long time when I wanted to get pregnant, I was like, I have to do it. I'm going to do it this. And then I, for a while I was like, oh, I want this baby to be born on this day. So we need to be intimate on this day on this month because I want them to be, you know, it was controlling, 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 controlling. And I had to take a step back 
through a really hard way, yeah. right? And honestly, it was a blessing in disguise because if that hadn't happened to me, I wouldn't be here sitting with you. Yeah. You know? And so always ask yourself, okay, what what am I what do I need to learn here? Mm-hmm. What what is the universe trying to teach me? And so that 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 lesson, that's your spirit. I've never heard it spoken like that. I like that. And for me, it's releasing any judgment around the lesson that you're being taught. Or I feel like for me, I don't think I'm a perfectionist. Like I, I mean, maybe this is a lack of self-awareness here, but I'm really not like I'm, I'm type A with some things, but I'm not, I feel like I'm just so goal oriented and I, I keep myself to such a high standard that when I go through the lesson or I feel like I keep learning it, I'm like, Aaron, you're not learning it fast enough. And then that is also unproductive. So I feel like it's kind of like releasing any sort of tension or fear and structure around how you think things should be and just allowing them to flow to you when they're meant to. Releasing control, mm-hmm. letting go, and being patient. Yeah, those mm-hmm. are all. Th- those are the three <laughs> things that I write down often. Uh, we got to get to the last one. So, kafa. Am I? I'm going to say this wrong. Kafa. Kafa. Dosha. Take it away. Kafa dosha. So kafas are water and earth, and so in balance, kafas are loving and nurturing. They're strong. They're grounded. If you, you probably know someone that speaks very slowly mm-hmm. and very confidently at the same time, right? <laughs> I'm like, can you, we, we, 30 <laughs> seconds left. The time is going. <laughs> That's your kapha in balance. Out of balance, kaphas can become sluggish and they can attach to emotions easily, leading to depression sometimes. Um, can be slow, right? <laughs> your kaphas. And again, so what would bring a kapha back into balance if there's too much water and earth? Fire. Yeah. Yeah. That fire, that spark, that movement. Kaphas need to move, especially during winter and spring. Hot yoga, great for kaphas. <laughs> Maybe that's why I have not been craving a lot of hot yoga lately. I, I used to teach hot yoga. Now I cannot even attend a class. It's too much. I have it. I have done it before and I was so depleted. I went to bed at like 3 p.m. and slept until 10 a.m. the next day. It's too depleting. But like increases like. So while I was teaching it, I loved it. I was obsessed Mm -hmm. with it. It was amazing. (laughs) And I was also taking a lot at that time. Why does that energetically happen? The like and like thing. Like increases like? Yeah. Because the more you have of something attracts more of that thing. That, does that answer your question? And maybe it, uh, for an example, if someone that keeps attracting something in that they don't necessarily want, how can they, maybe it's something that they like, but they're, or they think that they like and they're getting it back in, but it's like, how can you kind of change course? For instance, I'm trying to get, think of an example I don't even have an example, but I'm like walking through this in my mind and I'm like, okay, if someone keeps attracting like the same type of person into their life and they're like, okay, why does this energy in this environment keep coming into my life? How can I kind of steer course 
mm-hmm. and like change course to a different like to attract like if you mm-hmm. will mm-hmm. it depends <laughs> again it comes back to understanding yourself yeah. you know if you keep attracting the same type of person mm-hmm. it's because you keep going down the path of least resistance which is your patterns and your tendencies mm-hmm. right but if you take a moment and step back and really understand yourself and and begin to know what your patterns and tendencies are and you're like you're like okay this is the person i'm attracting to because this is what i am naturally going towards because this is how i naturally am like mm-hmm. increases like however by meditating by practicing yoga by being more mindful with what you eat right all of these things will help you create more conscious choices and at the at the end of the day life is in balance when we make conscious choices the choices that are intentional are the ones that will help us grow mm-hmm. are the ones that will guide us into transcendation transcendence <laughs> transcendence yeah transcendence yeah we got to touch on the path of least resistance it comes back to comfort zones and i think a lot of people are stuck in this Mm -hmm. they want so badly to get out of it but they're not willing to do the work or they're not willing to take that step if that person walks into your studio or your office what do you do to help them get on the path that they want to, but they don't know how to. So my job is to be their support and their guide and to understand them and their essence so I can be a guide for them to become their own healers. So someone that can't see it, I will kindly help them take those glasses off Mm -hmm. and begin to see the world in a different way and begin to see the possibilities. If you just keep doing it, if you stay consistent, if you trust, Mm -hmm. not on anything, not on Ayurveda, not on religion, not on society, but in yourself, in your capacity to heal. How do you feel this practice is different, if at all, from functional medicine or other types of healing work? Holistic healing? Mm -hmm. Or just healing in general? I mean, there's energy healing, there's all these things. So what do you feel Ayurveda does differently? I think Ayurveda just simplifies it. Mm -hmm. At least that's how I saw it. For me, it was like, Oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. Yeah. Some people, you know, it depends. Some people like the more Western approach. And so functional medicine might be a best, better pathway for them. Some people are geared towards more of the energetic field, right? So it just depends on, on what you relate to and what resonates with you. I love Ayurveda because to me, it is science based mm-hmm. it is very simple and is it's amazing <laughs> you know it's just living in 
in awareness, living in loving awareness creates pure consciousness, allows us to bloom, allows us to come back home, mm-hmm. the home that resides within ourselves that we all want to come back to. We're all looking for that place where we belong in one way or another. What does pure consciousness mean to you? Pure consciousness is loving awareness and loving awareness and pure consciousness is energy and it's nature and it could be divinity or God, mm-hmm. you know, however you want to call it. It's the source. It's the collective. It's that one thing that connects us all mm-hmm. that we're all part of. And coming back to yourself it's a lot of unlearning i think that's the biggest thing that i've learned when i have started going down this path and i wouldn't necessarily say it's easy but it's probably the most rewarding thing because you have these aha moments and everything that you struggled with makes sense and everything that wasn't working wasn't working for a reason Mm -hmm. and it's the answers that I never found elsewhere, but I could only find from within. What was the biggest surprise that you had, whether it was through learning about Ayurveda or once you started teaching and coaching? The biggest thing that I had to unlearn? No, what was just the biggest surprise overall of Ayurveda that you Maybe it was an epiphany you had about yourself or just the practice as a whole. Yeah, that we have the power to heal ourselves. That's as simple as I can get. We are part of the universe. Mm -hmm. The universe is infinite and it takes intentional choice making for us to expand. And once you you're there and you start you'll start seeing the results and how things begin to manifest and how your light begins to shine because we all have light mm-hmm. within us pure consciousness yeah. light peace i looked at my water i'm like i could be talking to you for three hours <laughs> what's the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten under since not under since being someone that practices Ayurveda that you want to share with the audience the biggest piece of advice that I've gotten since I began my journey with Ayurveda Mm. maybe it's something that's made the most impact on you I think the connection to the spirit and how that disconnection can will always manifest physically mm-hmm. and how your body speaks to you constantly you know your headache that's your body speaking to you mm-hmm. your skin itching that's your body speaking to you it's not just super bad aches and pains it's not just disease it's the little things too you know why there's a reason yeah there's a reason So take a moment in silence and stillness and listen. I think that's the most impactful thing. If there's someone out there that 
connects and resonates with this episode and feels called to reach out to you or to start their journey, what would you tell them to do to start and to not feel fear Mm -hmm. or that someone's going to judge them or whatever that thing coming up that's halting them before pressing go? Um, I would tell them that this, that I've created a safe space for them to come in Mm -hmm. as they are and that they're uniquely beautiful and no matter where they are in life, I'm going to be there to support them. Um, There's no judgment in Ayurveda. There's love Mm -hmm. and compassion and understanding. And I am a guide. The teacher is within. She's incredible. (laughs) Where can people find you? I, in social media, um, my personal account is Yo Belena, Y-O-B-E-L-E-N-A. And my business account is Kana.Living, Kana with a K. And then you can visit my website to take the quiz, KanaLiving.com. And you can find me there if you ever inclined to take a look at yourself through the lens of Ayurveda and yoga. And you are local to Dallas. Do you take clients in Dallas or? Yep. I'm local to Dallas. I do Zoom too because I have international clients as Mm -hmm. well and all over the country. And um, there was something else I was going to add to that. Yeah. I'm local to Dallas. Okay. But I also do Zoom sessions. Perfecto. You were incredible. Then the last question that I ask is, Belen, what are you grateful for today? Mm. Today, I am grateful for you (laughs) for bringing me on here and allowing me to talk about this this science, this lifestyle that I I adore so Mm -hmm. much and that has helped me and many others find themselves and reconnect in loving awareness back to their home i know you stole mine Mm -hmm. i think she's i think you might be psychic (laughs) you're like she is really good at reading people i was actually gonna i was gonna say i'm grateful for conversations like this i feel it's hard to find a space where you can connect with things like this and i feel like spiritual people get it like there's just certain people i literally looked down and i was like oh my gosh i could talk to her for two hours Mm -hmm. that you can just connect with and they understand where you're at and the roadblocks that you're going through and how to overcome them, especially you're older and, and a lot wiser than I am. So <laughs> thank you for that. And thank you for being on this podcast. Thank you.